Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be the secret psychology of making money. Well, I've got an email here from a guy. He's 21. He's from Europe, and he says my work has helped him figure out what he wants to do, follow his heart, follow his passions in life. And he had some success investing in real estate, and then he took the money from that, and he figures, hey, I'll put this in the stock market, and I'll make a shitload more money, and then things will be great. So what happened was he started investing in the stock market, and he was a little full of himself, thinking that he, because he made a, a really good profit on this real estate house that he had flipped. And then he became emotionally invested in his trades. He became fearful, and he literally pissed all the money away because he was impatient, didn't let things develop properly. And so this is important. Not only is it important to maintain emotional self-control in your personal life, but also especially like when you're investing money in, in stocks or things of that nature, you get in a fearful state. You think, oh, it's almost like you become a gambler in essence. You figure, all right, I'll invest a little bit more. I'll take out a little bit more leverage. I'll take out a little bit more on line of credit. I'll borrow money in essence to invest more in stocks and that way I'll get a greater return. And then you get fearful and I had a good friend of mine that did this a couple of years ago. The stock market was going down. He lost a bunch. Then he figured he'll make it up on his new trades and he just like got himself into like a flat spin until he basically lost all of his money. So it's a good cautionary tale. Plus he shares what he's learned from his whole experience. So we're going to talk about a little bit today is just the psychology of making money. In other words, do you feel you deserve it? Because what's interesting is 80% of making money is psychology and only 20% is the mechanics. So we're going to break that down a little bit more and I'll explain what I mean as I go through this quote. And the quote says, making money and creating wealth is mostly 80% using the psychology of wealth. That is, believing and acting in ways that are congruent with you being certain that you deserve to be highly compensated for your gifts, skills, time, and talents. The other 20% of making money is using the proper mechanics of adding value via a career, job, or your own business and being compensated with money. Money exists for only two reasons or purposes. Number one, to be a medium of exchange to facilitate commerce, trade, business, etc. And number two, to be a store of value where you literally translate your gifts, skills, assets, property, time, and talents and do paper receipts, i.e. money, that you can use now or in the future to buy and sell the things you need. Most people really don't understand what money is, what, why it exists, where it came from. They don't understand how it gets created. They don't understand how it, it gets created in banks. And Especially like when you see politicians or people on TV talking about the debt and we're borrowing too much money. And like that's the problem. The reality is they don't understand the financial system. They don't understand credit. They don't understand fractional reserve banking. They don't understand that every time you take out a car loan or a loan on a house, that most, the average person thinks that they're going and borrowing money they have, which is other people's money, their depositors' money. Well, that's not the case. Through fractional reserve banking, if a bank has a million dollars in deposit money, deposit like my money, your money, and the rest of the people in the neighborhood, if they have a million dollars in depositor money, then that allows them to create up to 10 million out of thin air, which is interesting. So the <clears throat> US banks have to have about 10% in reserves. And what's interesting is European banks only have to have 3% in reserves. So it's really interesting when you understand 
how the banking system works, where the money comes from and people just don't realize you get a car loan or you get a lease. That That's all. That's the way banks work. The money doesn't exist until the loan is created. And so you have politicians bitching about all the money that's being borrowed. Well, that's how the system is set up. So you see politicians complaining when the economy is in the shitter. Oh, the banks aren't lending. The banks aren't lending. If the, what's interesting, if you look at the Federal Reserve's numbers when the crash happened 2008, 2009, 2007, that whole time period, the money supply, credit, the amount of loans that was outstanding shrunk by $3 trillion. You take $3 trillion out of an economy and, and that's going to have a negative effect. The people that are on the fringes that are paycheck to paycheck, they're the first ones to fall down and not be able to make their house payment, their car payment. They go into bankruptcy. They have foreclosure. I mean look at Greece. They don't even have their own central bank anymore because they gave up their currency and they're not even a sovereign nation because the definition of a sovereign nation is they have a currency. And I mean you see the unemployment rate is 25%. Well, what's happening? Banks aren't lending because there aren't enough good qualified borrowers that have income. I mean you got 25% unemployment. So how are they going to pay the loan back? And so the only way money gets in the economy is over many decades. You see kind of same effect in Japan where they talk about lost decades. It's really fascinating when you understand the banking industry. Even one of our founding fathers, he said – I can't remember this exactly. But he said all of the perplexities, confusion and distress in America arises not from want of honor or virtue or defects in the constitution or confederation as downright ignorance of coin, credit and circulation. Other, and then it was I think Samuel Adams or John Adams said. I can't remember. I got it written down somewhere. But I mean I, I did an article, What is Money Really, several years ago. If you really want to get in the depth of money where it came from back, you know, the whole history of it when they used to use tally sticks, which were sticks of like maple and they put notches on it and that counted for money. It's really fascinating when you study the history of it, how banking came about, how fractional reserve bank came about and how like 99.99% of the people out there, even people that are successful and billionaires, they don't really understand how the system works. The fact that banks create money out of thin air and the money is created at the time that you borrowed it. I mean it's a great business. You think about it. Just a digital entry in a computer. Oh, you need a million dollars. Here you go. And by the way, that's 10% interest. Thank you very much. But when you understand that and you understand where it works and how the money flows, you can actually make money on that. And when's the best time to invest in anything, whether it's stocks, bonds, you buy low, sell high. And when you do that, when there's blood in the streets, literally, when there's protests, when the unemployment is really, really high. So when money's not circulating in any economy, any system, whether it's Greece or anywhere else, and you invest for the long haul, like they were to say they go back to the drachma, you could buy that stuff for cheap. Because the value of a currency is really the goodwill of the people. How stable is the government? If you buy property in that country, what's the likelihood that somebody's going to come along and take that property by force from you and you get nothing? So if the country is very stable, if the government's very stable, if the economy is very stable, if they have their own central bank and money is stable in the economy, the currency tends to be very valuable. But if they print too much of the money, if they lend too much of the money, then the value drops. And then if nobody wants to take your money, you look at like what's going on with Iran or Venezuela or even Russia, any of these countries that we're not lending with, it's like their value of their currency is plummeting. So therefore they're not their government, their country is not looked or viewed as stable. And so the other bankers and 
and developed economies of the world are basically saying, hey, we're not going to take your money or your money's not as worth, worth as much as it was or we're not going to do business with you. So if nobody wants their dollars, if nobody's willing to trade with them and there are sanctions, well, you're going to see the value of their currencies going to drop. It's really fascinating when you understand that. So. But if you're going to be successful, if you're going to make money, you're going to have to understand that. You're going to have to understand the boom and bust cycle. Otherwise, you're going to get wiped out every time the economy goes in the shitter. So if you understand how the, the boom and the bust cycle goes with fractional reserve banking when you have this type of model that basically all of the banking systems of the world have, you can know how to navigate it. You can know when you should be buying and when you should be selling. Buy low, sell high. That's, that's the idea. Obviously, this guy made good money flipping real estate, something I've bought and sold hundreds of homes back when I was in real estate. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can get wiped out and lose your money, especially if you get emotionally invested. Like when the real estate market crashed and went the other way, everybody was like, I gotta sell my house, gotta sell my house. So they're underwater and they're writing big checks just to come to closing. So they're losing money in their houses. And what they should have done was just keep making their payments five, 10 years down the road, it's gonna come back. So what a lot of people did was they bought they bought high and they sold low, so they, you know, they lost money. That's not smart real estate investing. Made a lot of money in real estate personally by doing that, and following those boom bust cycles. <clears throat> so let's go through his email. He says, "Hey Corey, I want to truly thank you for the great work you share with the world. You're a true inspiration, and you've given me the confidence to be myself and follow my passions. I'm from Sweden. I'm 21 and currently studying engineering." After high school, I worked two years to save for an apartment where I wanted to study. During this time, I flipped an apartment in my hometown with 30% profit. Pretty nice profit, dude. Good job. And discovered that I had a passion for trading and I also started a company which I then eventually gave up because of a lack of passion and time. Well, it's good that you're doing that because you're trying different things. And the only way you're going to know if you like something is to try it, to work at it, see if you're into it. And when you don't, then you move on to the next thing. You follow what, what you're curious about, what you're passionate about, what your intuition tells you and you, you see what it's like and then you go and you work at it and you end up may, maybe you end up making a lateral move but the idea is you go work at things that seem compelling and sometimes you work at things that will kind of suck or it won't be what you thought it was and then you, the key is to move on, not to get stuck in those kinds of positions and a lot of – most people do that. They get stuck in a job that pays the bills and they're too afraid to do anything else or they're not really good at interviewing and getting jobs. You should Google Corey Wayne how to get any job you want if you're in that situation where you need to find a good job or a better job or the kind of job you really want. So he says, I only needed a bit more money but at this point, I experienced overconfidence and was a little too full of myself. I figured I would trade the profits, camp in the new city while looking for an apartment and I temporarily got into a rental. I started losing money in the markets because of impatience. I got into a flat spin and lost it all in the markets, got heavily into debt and was homeless for a week and had to go back to working almost full time so I didn't go to lectures but studied on my own. A couple of times I traded my way back to break even. Unfortunately, I was greedy, impatient and figured I could just trade a little bit more before paying off debt so I continued to trade. Well, I lost it again. Well, the idea is when you're investing in stocks is you're investing in the trade. You have an idea of what obviously you're going to buy it at and what you think it's going to go to. And then you put your numbers in and you put stop losses in there in case the thing reverses and goes the other way. You, you got to think in terms of how much of my profit am I willing to, get, to give back? In other words, 
one of the very first mentors I had, this guy was very wealthy, made a lot of money in real estate. He said, always know your downside. What happens if things don't go the way you want? And when you're setting up a trade in stocks, you want you, you want to know what your buy point is and what your sell point and what you're willing to lose max before you get out of the trade altogether. And once you know those and you put the trade in and you just leave it the fuck alone, unless of course you're a day trader, which you know that's a whole different type of expertise. But someone like this, if you're buying stocks, you want to buy and hold, and you want to invest in companies that you believe in companies that you believe in their product or service and they have a good visionary leader, somebody that's passionate. I mean, think about the most successful companies in the world. You look at thing, companies like Facebook or Google or Apple and even up and coming companies like Tesla and SpaceX eventually someday when, when they go public. You look at Yahoo or even AOL, which just got acquired by Verizon in the last five years. Um, Tim, what was his name? Tim Armstrong, I think his name was the CEO. He got 150% return for the shareholders just in five years. Turned the company around, bought Huffington Post, got it doing well, got the numbers doing well. Verizon comes along and buys them. That stock was really cheap a few years ago. But when you watch how the people are, who's running the companies, where the company's going, what is their big vision for the company? Is the company aligned? Are they achieving their goals and objectives? You know, so if you're in a trade like that for four or five years, I mean you made make a significant return. You know, that one was 150%. It's pretty good. Buy low, sell high, not the other way around. I've since done the appropriate market research that I have put off and managed to get through my first year of university because I've had the pressure to meet my payments every month to save my credit rating. I've never had patience to trade correctly and hold on to my profits. Well, invest for the long term. Trying to be a day trader, if you can't manage your emotional state, if you can't maintain emotional self-control, then you should be trading stocks. It's plain and simple. You made money in real estate. I mean, in real estate, it's like it sells when it sells. So it's, you know, with stocks, you can sell those things pretty much, you know, you just put the, Plug, plug a number in your computer, hit a few keys, and boom, it digitally happens. With real estate, it's not like that. You got to go to a closing, you got to get contracts on it, you got to get inspections, you take a month to close. So you usually typically take a little bit more time to make your decisions. He says, Now I'm a couple days from destroying my credit rating, and my end goal is to read a lot, get my degrees in engineering and economics, trade, slowly build wealth, date, and have great relationships. Well, you have to do it in a balanced way. And so you're obviously not you're, – you're looking at trading as a way to make money. I mean obviously it is but you got to look at it. Is that anything you do is adding value. You want to put your money to work for you. You want to put your money to work at something that doesn't require you be all over it. I mean you're in school. I mean think about the stress you put yourself under. Worrying about a trade, whether it's going to go up or down a few fucking points. If you had the type of stock where you knew it was a year, two, three, four – five-year-long trade that you're going to be in, you're going to check your stocks maybe a couple times a week just to see what they're doing. But the ups and downs, it, shit's not going to fucking bother you. He says, eventually I want to give something back and bless other people. What I've been doing for most of my life is putting off dating, traveling, and socializing and instead worked excessively to get good finances, a place to live. So once attained, I can start dating and building the lifestyle I really want. Well, so for someone like you, happiness is a moving target. You're basically, oh, I'll be happy someday when I have a house or I have money or I have the degree that I want. But the idea is enjoy, you're on a journey right now. You're on a journey to getting to where 
you want to be. So if you want to be fulfilled and you want to have great memories, always be practicing your social skills. Always be dating. Don't be putting it off and taking yourself out of the game because again, the reason why people don't have the things they want in their lives is the story they tell themselves. So the story you're telling yourself to keep you from taking any action is that you need money, you need to be done with school, you need to have a job, you need to be making money trading. All these things have to happen first before you can start dating and living your life. And then meanwhile, everybody around you is hanging out, having fun and hooking up and you're not really enjoying your life too much. So you're young, 21, I mean, take advantage of that, dude, especially if you're still in school. There's never going to be another time in your life where you're around that many beautiful, single women that are your age and that are in close proximity to you and who have similar goals and similar values. So that's a target-rich environment. You can practice a lot and you can really improve your skills. So not only will you graduate and have a degree that you can use to get a, a decent job, to give you money, to give you capital to trade, but also you can be improving your skills and have a lot of great experiences so you can look back in that time with gratitude as opposed to looking back on that time with regret because you feel like you missed out on things. Now I feel like what stays with you is is your memories and knowledge. What was I just saying? Now that I'm in debt after all those years, should I not bother paying the debt, live on student loans, start spending time at university, date, take care of my health, and focus all my time on market research, trading, and studying? Well, as far as not paying the debt, like doing something like bankruptcy, you have to you have to go talk to an attorney who's licensed in your state or your country. I think you're in Europe, so you have to figure out. I mean, it's different everywhere. Everybody has bankruptcy laws, so. Go talk to somebody that, because I mean, it doesn't you don't, it doesn't matter what your credit is for when it comes to trading stocks, but obviously buying a house or anything that you're going to have have to use debt for, obviously that's something you got to consider. And talk to somebody in your country in your city who's licensed to practice that kind of law. Since I already sold all my valuable stuff, they can't take it. Getting debt wiped out is, from what I've heard, not easy. Living on living wages is an option. I think he was in Sweden. That's something they have over there. You basically living wages like you get a bare minimum salary. It's not like you're gonna live extravagant, but at least your your bills are paid. It's like government welfare in essence. Should I work while studying? That's what I did. You get experience. You're going to school, but you're also getting experience and you're making contacts. So you could be building your network, your professional network in your career by working. Start out as an unpaid intern that's some in your industry. That's what I did. I was still going to school for construction management. And I got a job as an estimator even though I wasn't done with school. I worked for free for about 30 days and I got all this work after Hurricane Andrew hit and they hired me and the rest is my story, my history, history, his story. He says money that will go to paying debt So, or should I just delay university and work instead? Well, I would get, get the degree finished up but I mean I also took off a couple semesters when I was in college as well. But I was working full-time in my field, so I already had the job I was going to have once I graduated college. So I took my time. Sometimes I took a semester off, but on average I took three to four classes per semester and it took me seven years to finish my degree. And no, I'm not a doctor. I just have a Bachelor of Science in Construction Management. It's an engineering degree. It was in the College of Engineering and Design. I haven't shared my situation with anyone because I feel like most people would think I fucked up my life for good. Dude, you're 21. People file bankruptcy all the time. It only takes you two to three years to reestablish credit anyways. You could lease a car before you go blow stuff up, before you blow up your, your credit report, so to speak. Lease a car because they're you know in bankruptcy. They're not going to come and take your lease because it's a, in essence a rental. 
So this way you could be renting a car during your whole bankruptcy period for say three or four years. You do it ahead of time and then you're establishing credit. And so by the time that lease ends, you've reestablished your credit and you don't get another one. You can get a credit card and all you need is like two or three trade lines and then you can get a, get a loan for another house. It's like, so what? It's just business, man. Some of the wealthiest people in the world have used bankruptcy and corporate bankruptcy when to downsize and to get debt haircuts. And I mean, banks do it all the time. Nothing personal. It's just business. They don't give a fuck about you. You're just a number to them. So you got to think in terms of that. So you should utilize the full resources of the law to your favor. Again, talk to an attorney who can advise you on those things. It's licensed in your area. But I feel like money is not real and I've seen the power of compound interest. I think if I were allowed to have patience and properly apply proper money management, trading would be the best opportunity to pay debts in the shortest time. Again, you're you're looking at trading, like, I'm going to make this in a quick period of time. You're thinking like a gambler thinks. And if you're thinking like a gambler, you might as well take your money and go into fucking Vegas and you know play some slot machines or blackjack or something because your odds of making it rich there are about as good as – trying to day trade and do fast stock trading where you make a lot of money in a short period of time. That's your problem. You're attached to a time frame. That's you can't do that when you're trading stocks, especially if you're doing it going to do it long term. However, I have a lot of guilt associated with not working or paying debt. So get a part-time job work 2 to 3 days a week. Wait tables. They'll give you a good way to maybe 10 bar or something. Give you a way to interact with other people. Meet other people, develop your social skills, practice. A lot, I mean, beautiful women will come into your restaurant or your bar and you can talk to and practice things I talk about. Again, think about you want to be improving every area of your life over the, the next couple of years while you're in college. You could be working in your career, you could be going to school, you could be dating, you could be interacting with other people and improving your social skills, you could be building a business on the side, you could be trading, all those things. You got to do it in a balanced way. If you think about how a building is built, well, a building has a foundation. There's lots of different footings under a building for the foundation, and therefore, if one area fails or settles, the whole building is going to come tumbling down. But obviously, like an inverted pyramid, if you put all your eggs in one basket and you're investing emotionally like you are, it's an inverted pyramid, and you're almost guaranteed to lose. It's not balanced at all. Invest in several stocks, several companies that you believe in that's got a good leader that you believe in. You believe in the vision. The company's expanding. It's growing. It's well-run, well-managed. And those, that's what some of the things that Warren Buffett looks for, second richest guy in the world. He made all of his money investing in companies. But he invests for the long term. He's not a short-term investor. He's not making a, a stock trade and then selling a few days or a few weeks later. He's making trades that last for years. Should I do what I truly feel like doing and start living or have I lost my mind? Just time and repetition. I'm just pointing out that you need to get practicing and working at so you can get some results and some experience doing the things that you're not very good at. Going to school, practicing interacting with women, enjoying your life. Get a, definitely get a part-time job so you can get a little bit of money coming in. You'll be more responsible. You'll work harder. You'll take better care of your body. You'll feel better about yourself. Because you're doing something, women will find that attractive because you got a job. You're not broke as a joke. So if you'd like to get my help personally, the quickest way is to book a paid phone, Skype, or email coaching session. You can choose any of those options by going to my website, clicking the products tab at the top of your screen, and just follow the instructions for booking whichever option works best for you. And I will talk to you soon.